This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Hello, I'm Anita Arnind and thank you for downloading BBC Radio 4's Any Answers, the sister programme to Any Questions. Luke, thank you very much. Good afternoon. Welcome to Any Answers. So, as you've been hearing in the news, David Cameron has finally had some kind of say about what he thinks about Brexit and his legacy. Now it's your chance to have your say. What, in your opinion, is the most likely scenario? Is all this talk of yellow hammers and black swans making you a little bit anxious? Do you dismiss such things? Do you think it's Project Fear? Do you think it's Project Reality? Do give me a call on this, 03700 100 444. We can talk about your view about about the Speaker's role in all of this. Uh, Should a people's vote come first? Should a general election come first? And how would you vote in either of those scenarios? Or both, indeed. And we can talk about other things too. HS2 is likely to be delayed by up to five years and cost up to £88 billion. That's £26 billion more than projected. Is it time to scrap the whole thing once and for all? And is there any honour in the honours list. 03700 100 444, email any.answers at bbc.co.uk or you can tweet us using the hashtag BBCAQ. You will not be surprised to hear, though, that Brexit is starting us off because that's the thing you most want to talk about today. Peter Burke, you're our first caller from Oxford. Good afternoon. Hello, hi. I'm just phoning in response to Andrew Bowie's attempt to minimise the impact of uh, Yellowhammer. Um, I don't know whether he actually is familiar with the content, he says he doesn't know what's going to happen. He's probably right in that regard, but there are people who do, and they're the experts. Uh, you know, people like my colleague, the neurologist, who contributed to the estimate of um, the medical effects of Yellowhammer, of, of uh, hard Brexit. Mm-hmm. And um, what is happening again, it was Michael, Michael Gove did a few years ago, to say that we've had enough of experts. Now, the expert predictions are extremely serious. And it just takes a small part of those to be correct for the effects of um, no deal to Brexit to be disastrous on the country. Okay, so just um, just before we go any further, well. your, your yeah. friend, the, was it neurologist or urologist? Sorry, I wasn't sure. What uh, 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 neurologist. Uh, okay, right, top bit. Uh, your friend, the yeah. neurologist, what, what, was his, uh, what was his scenario? What did he think was going to happen? Well, the predictions in terms of medicine supplies are extremely serious. Bear in mind, many medicines have a very short shelf life. And indeed, in, in the case of um, uh, radionuclide products, um, it's a matter of a day or two. We're talking about severe disruption of the ports. And um, the Yellowhammer report claims that something of the order of 50% reduction in um, flow of goods at uh, Dover Calais will occur. Mm. Now, the effects of that would be queues that extend um, the entire length of the M20, or indeed longer. And of course, um, travel has to be in both directions. Well, Sometimes we talk about Calais being prepared, mm. as indeed Ireland is to a certain extent. Preparations on the British side have been minimal. But the government and, is saying the government is saying that was the case under Theresa May. But we are stepping up to it. We're sorting this out. We've got some time. Don't panic. That is what's delusional. You know, um, Mr. Bowie says that a lot has happened since the first of August when the report was published. Now, six weeks. In three years, frankly, the government did nothing. In six weeks, there's very little they can do. And the time, time remaining before, before the end of October, or indeed the end of January, yeah. very little can be done. Could you... Could you could, mind, yeah. Could you stay with us? I'm not, um, winter. Yeah, OK. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, you know, in, in terms of stocking, stockpiling goods 
it's much more difficult than it would have been in March. Okay. Um, you know, storage is already full. And in terms of medicines, food products, etc., there's really no no scope for stockpiling. There's what no is what is your really. what is your business? So what is your? I, I'm a doctor. You're a doctor as well. I just wanted to be sure, Peter. Just just wait because I mean you, you've mentioned Andrew Berry a few times, Conservative Party vice chair. In case some of you did not hear the program preceding us, uh, I, I'd just like uh, you to have a chat with Roland Parsons. Let me introduce Roland Parsons into the mix, who's calling us from Gloucestershire. Hello, Roland. Oh, hello. Hi there. So, so Peter, Peter is a doctor. Peter says his friend is one of those people who submitted evidence that now is bound up in this Yellowhammer document of which now we have been made aware. And he says there is a reason to worry. Are you worried? I'm not worried at all. Why? Uh, because I have confidence in the people of Britain to sort out any problems whatsoever. The 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 what I'm really phoning out about, and like I would like to get in, please, is that. Um, should the people vote f- come first or a general election? Mm. We need, obviously, to go to the people to uh, sort something out. Um, now, th- the opposition should not be able to overthrow the people's decision. That was, uh, but that, that's by forcing them to vote again on Brexit. We don't have Europe's hickory-dickory dock methods in Britain, which is what this other guy is on a minute ago tr- trying to get us Wait, back he's into. P- P- Peter's still clock, here, and you can talk to clock, him as well. Yeah. Up, up the clock, down the yeah. clock whatever, uh, so many times around the chamber. Mm. At the moment, the opposition are stopping the people from having an election, mm-hmm. for the people to tell Parliament what to do. To stop a government-authorised general election, it's a, really an attempt to overthrow the British state, and it's forbidden by law. The Bill of Rights 1689 forbids 12 subversions of Parliament. Mm. King James II was condemned and mm. opposed for one, violating the freedom of election of yeah. members to serve in Parliament, and by prosecutions in the Court of King's Bench. Right, OK, but Ro- Roland, we, we, are, yeah. we, are, we are in a situation now where we are setting new precedents by the day, where we were hearkening back to 100-year-old statutes, where we don't have a written constitution, so we have that to lean on, and those things this are... Is, uh, so, so just written, I, I understand. Just just for one second, I mean, you said the other chap who was talking, he's still, he's still with us, it's yeah, Peter hello. Burke, and I heard a, an enormous sigh coming out from, I take it, Peter, your phone. Um, <laughs> Ro- Roland, Roland says look just we'll do it we're fine we're going to be fine tell him why you don't think that talk to talk to roland hello roland yeah i'm 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 very glad to hear from you and i think the problem is that the complacency you expresses express echoes very much what ministers are saying which is it's it's all project fear to be okay well frankly it's not project fear it's project reality the the reality is is dreadful and to say that people can prepare for it I think is, is a, a misconception. Preparation for large businesses means preparation by disinvesting and by making people unemployed. For small businesses, it very often means going to business. Uh, I have friends who've been in exactly that situation. They have had to close their doors because of Brexit. And preparation for the pop- population at large is not possible because we don't know what's going to hit us. Okay, let, let, uh, let, let elections. Can you, I come back to you can in a minute, but let's. I just yeah, want to have one point. Otherwise, we're gatling gunning at each other, and we never hear what yeah. anyone else has to say. So, just on that, Roland, come back. Peter says what he says. What do you well, say? Well, Peter obviously is concerned. You can talk to Peter. And, uh, talk directly uh, to Peter. I, I do respect the yeah, concern very much of others, but the point is, by taking up a position in a neg- negotiation that you cannot walk away, which is what Peter's on. That means that you have to accept anything that Europe gives you, mm. and that is going to give you the worst bad deal. And so you're basically uh, driving your country into the uh, mire by doing that. So uh, 
the, the point is, what they're trying to do at the moment is to overthrow the parliament using the courts. Now, that, that, we, we can't have nine judges ruling Britain and able to overthrow proceedings in parliament. We don't elect judges to rule over us. The Bill of Rights says proceedings in Parliament mm. ought not to be impeached or questioned in any court or place out of okay, Parliament. OK, let, let Peter come back. The government is not above the law. I mean, the, the judges are not there to make the law. They're there to interpret it. And if the judges find that the government is in breach of the law, then they have to act against the government. Mm. And that, that is their obligation. That's what, the, that's what judges are for. And the government is currently in breach because it's acting in a way that, that uh, is, is actually against the public interest. Okay. Now, the election so has, not been, has not been cancelled. We have nine judges there, ruling Britain, yeah, okay. and we don't have all the MPs in Parliament making all the decisions Roland, and that House yeah. of Lords keeping control. I, I hear you. Can I, can I just ask you one question? Because we have to move on. We've got so many callers. Roland, yeah. very, very briefly. You just said, you know, look, we need this and it's a negotiating position. Am I right in understanding that you would rather leave with a deal, but oh, you don't... I would, yeah, yes, okay. of course. Oh, great. But you're not going to get any deal yeah. at all if you take Peter's position. Okay. Peter, Take what his concern, concern, but you've got Okay. To be All right, no, Jen. So I'm going. I am. I'm going to love you and leave you because we have got lots of calls. As you can imagine, on this matter, we have so many people who want to call. Oh three seven hundred one hundred four four four. Terry Squibb is calling us from Leicester. Good afternoon, Terry. Good afternoon. Hi. What did you want to say? Well, <clears throat> well listening to the, what these previous two speakers have said um, shows that the, the fundamental problem is that there is no point in reasoning with people until you open the door to reason. Because what happens here is they, they, they react with project fear and everything is seen in the context of that. The, the point is there are, two, there are two controlling contexts of thought, in my view. There's first of all, that of um, a general election. Is it like a general election? And the second is like a contest that one side has won and the other side is, says, uh, uh, wants to cheat them of their winnings as if it's a game of poker. Mm. Now, it's not like a game of poker. In a game of poker, uh, you've got two sides with, two, with, with irreconcilable int- interests. So you win, I lose. You lose, I win. It's a zero-sum game. Mm-hmm. But, in, but in, in the Brexit debate, it's not that there are not two opposing sides. There is only one side, and that is the side of the United Kingdom, and we are all on it. Yes, but and, we're all on it, but, but people disagree about what is in its best interest. Yes, but they... <laughs> I don't think I, I think that they're thinking in the context of betrayal of democracy or being cheated out of their winnings. I don't think that they are thinking of what what is in the, the best interest. Really? Okay, stay with us, John uh, well, Ward. Can, can, look, I just, can I just give you, a? Um, yeah, I'm not getting rid of you, Terry. I'm going to come back to you. But yeah, John yeah. John Ward, um, Terry Squibb saying, you know, those who shout Project Fear are not on the side of the UK. They're not thinking in the best interest. Um, well, that, that, that's because they're basically Remainers at heart and they're not thinking ahead about the big picture. Well, what is the big picture, John? The big picture is that the EU is a, is, is a place destined for ever closer union. It, um, they want to have uh, a monetary union. Well, they've got monetary union, but the, the euro is in deep trouble. Mm. The European Central Bank is printing money like crazy right now. Germany's in recession. Uh, the uh, and while, and I, Peter, your first caller, ought to think about why the UK's economy is booming right now, mm-hmm. while the while the U, EU economy across Europe, uh, they're they're all looking, they're looming on the edge of recession. Okay, but though Mark Carney has said he's revised his assessment of of how bad things may be after um, Brexit, he still says it's on a downward trend, John. But, but, yes, but Not as bad, said, as he said, uh, thought who's, who's uh, down, before. 
But still on a downward trend. I mean, you're, you're, you're suggesting that there'll be this upkick, uh, which which uh, is not what the, no, the Bank of England second, is saying. Your, your second caller summed it up. He said that we, the UK is, 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 is strong enough and has got the guts enough to, to sort it out. Hmm. Uh, do we, I mean, the, the ultimate is, is whether or not this country ever wants to be simply a province of a country called Europe. Terry, come back in. Talk, talk to John. Right. Um, I think the, que- the fundamental question seems to me to be whether it's a betrayal of democracy to have a second referendum. And I think until you tackle that, you can't really go beyond that to start talking about whether we're better off in or better off out. Now, let's say, for example, we'd had a referendum on whether or not to go to war with a country that we thought has developed, developed weapons of mass destruction and was, going, and was going to attack us. And we take three years later, we're ready. And we find out three things. First of all... They haven't got these weapons. Secondly, they weren't going to attack us. And thirdly, if we go to war, we will certainly lose. What are we now to say? War means war. We must deliver the war that the people voted Let John for. answer. We mustn't let okay. war slip Ter- through Terry, you made, you've made the point. Let John that's, answer. That's where you have to trust MPs to make the right decision. Or, as we know, it wasn't the MPs, it was the government that was deluding the MPs. But the MP- so, John, that's really interesting because you're a leaver and the majority of MPs who say, look, we look at all these documents, Yellowhammer and others, and, and the majority of MPs want to remain. I don't think they're putting their hearts where, where, their, where their mind is. They, they, but you just, um, you just said a second ago that we should trust MPs. Yes, while it's provided they've got a sensible big picture. Uh-huh. I, I mean, the... The, the 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 thing about the EU, there are so many downsides to the EU that I I, I begin to wonder. Okay. All right, why, why is Greece and Italy in such trouble okay. right now? Okay. The, the Brussels is terrified of mm. losing the UK's financial inputs. All we, right, John. We're one of the big paymasters. John Terry, thank you very much. Some of your thoughts coming through on Twitter and other uh, on text. Uh, this is from somebody who called themselves the Slough Horse. A general election always creates an inferior mandate on any one issue because general elections are fought on competing manifestos, which are bundles of many policies. Therefore, a Brexit referendum will always produce the superior mandate on the issue of Brexit. Uh, James Harris says, if one more MP says Brexit was about taking back control to Parliament, it wasn't. It was the British people taking back control from Brussels. Uh, And another one here, 17.4 million people voted to leave the EU and I am disgusted that MPs feel they can ignore the wishes of the people. The 328 who voted against Boris Johnson should be sacked. Uh, Let us go to Jane Birchall, who's calling us from Hampshire. Good afternoon, Jane. Hello, good afternoon. Hi, what did you want to say? I would like to remind everybody of a briefing paper issued by the government on the 3rd of June 2015. It says it does not contain, this is the the way the referendum was drafted, it Mm. does not contain any requirement, any requirement for the UK government to implement the results of the referendum. Mm -hmm. In other words, it was an advisory referendum. Mm And everybody seems very conveniently to have forgotten that. But, I mean, all the parties put in their manifestos that they would respect the decision of that referendum. Did they or did they not? Um, yes, they did. Yeah. And I think they were wrong to do okay, so. Okay, but, they, but they, they made a promise. So the people who are feeling quite hurt at the moment and are. angry are saying, you know what, you said. You said you would abide by this. Yes, but we're in a we're in a situation where Parliament is totally and completely failed to resolve um, how we implement 
that result. Uh, okay, so have, have you have you felt consistently uh, about this? And no, I voted leave. Oh, you did. I, oh, okay. I did. I did. Why did you vote leave? Um, oh, for a combination of reasons. I was anxious about Angela Merkel no longer being at the helm in Germany, because she has been a consistently um, solid leader right across Europe. Mm. I was concerned about the potential for um, Turkey being brought into the EU. Mm-hmm and taking our European border closer to countries that would be, I think, very frightening. Mm. Um, but, oh, but now? But, but now I, I have switched parties. I am no longer Conservative. What are you? Lib Dem. Oh, hang on. That's, I mean, that's crossing the Rubicon then, isn't it? Because the Lib Dems have come out talking about revoking Article 50 altogether, not even a second referendum, just revoking. And I agree entirely. Because it's foolish just because you decide something. If it becomes blatantly obvious, which I fear it has done, that we're not in a strong position, we haven't made any choices, we don't know, there is no agreement, why leap into the unknown and take chances? Mm. Much better to revoke Article 50, have the discussions, and if we do, if there are enough people minded to take us out, mm. Work out where we go okay. before we go. Okay. Okay. Not, pick, not not leave it and pick up the pieces afterwards. Okay. Listen. Thank you very much for your call. I'm going to take one more on this, and I know there are a lot of you who want to talk about HS2. Very happy to. Oh three seven hundred one hundred four four four. We had an hour long program on this, so uh, it it is. When we have another subject and you want to talk about it, uh, we would like to allow you that opportunity. Ian McIntyre, you're going to be the last on this, calling us from West Wales. What did you want to say, Ian? Hello. Hi. Um... Well, I wanted to say something, uh, uh, articulate a particular worry I have about the, the current situation. Mm. Um, we're, I, I presume, that just let's look at the case where what happens is that we get an extension um, on October the 31st, which takes us through to January the 31st mm-hmm. next year. Yeah? And then on that basis, because now certainly new, um, no deal will be off the table, the opposition parties agree to support a general election. We have a general election, and the Tories become returned as the major party. Mm-hmm. It becomes Boris Johnson as prime minister again. Mm-hmm. Until, and then, he, and then he goes into the same thing all over again in respect of January the thirty-first. That previously he's been going into. What, what do you want to happen? Uh, what do I think should happen? Yeah. The, the only way out of the impasse is to have a different party as the largest party in Parliament. OK, then we'll then let another party win an election. I'm not saying he should let another party win an election. I'm saying he should. Um, he will lose the election. Well, he, the only way out of it is yeah. for him to lose the election that comes after October the 31st. Otherwise, if he wins, yeah. he becomes Prime Minister again. OK, so are you, are you in a situation where you believe... I, I'm, I'm guessing yeah, that your party is Labour. Is your party Labour? Quite right, yes. Okay. I'm hoping that, that, that yeah. the Labour Party will be the largest party rather than the Tory party in the next general election. Yeah. And you... then we have a different Prime Minister, not one who is seeking a no deal and that breaks through. Are you happy with the offering from the Labour Party where you have very prominent front benches saying that, look, what we're going to do is we're going to go to Europe, we are going to negotiate our socks off and we're going to get a better deal, but I... Uh, Emily Thornbury, I'm going to vote for Remain and lobby for Remain. I'm at John McDonnell, I'm going to lobby for Remain. Uh, you know, any number of people coming out now saying, I too will lobby for Remain. Does that make sense to you? Well, it makes sense to me in the sense that 
it looks so far as if nobody has, uh, as if the Tories haven't gone full belt for negotiating in Brussels, and the Labour Party is promising to go absolutely full mm. belt in trying to secure a deal without red lines, seeing how well they can get, seeing if they can protect workers' rights, seeing mm. if they can protect uh, nationals, seeing if they can get... Why would you, if you were on the other side, why on earth would you give an inch if you know that the majority of big beasts in that party are going to support Remain? Why, why, would, you, why would you give an inch? Why on earth would I... Who, sorry, who, why would who, Europe give an inch if they've Europe. got a negotiating team that is going over there to push for a better deal than the one that was got by... Theresa May, or might be got by Boris Johnson, why would you, as Europe, say, you know what, actually, we're going to give a lot more to these guys, um, even if you know that they are actually at heart Remainers, they want to remain? Oh, because politically in Europe, um, forcing uh, uh, Britain um, uh, back into Europe unwillingly is clearly a very dangerous okay. political strategy. Okay. I mean, you know, we, we got all those dreadful um, uh, Brexit um, MEPs uh, who are threatening trouble. We need good relations with Europe, good political relations Europe with Europe. Okay. Political leaders in Europe will be frowned on greatly okay. if they mistreat Britain in this okay. new stage you, where yeah. we've got a new yeah. Prime Minister, yeah. a new approach you, and a new enthusiasm. I asked the question and you've answered it admirably. Europe. Thank you very much. 03700 100 444. Shall we talk about HS2 for a bit? Uh, HS2, um, I mean, that cost goes spiralling up. At what point do you say stop? Stop. We want to get off. Uh, Tom Bowden is calling us from Exeter. Hello. Good afternoon. Hi. What did you want to say, Tom? Effectively, endorse what Peter Hitchens said. Stop it. Scrap it. No more dithering. No more reviews. No suspensions. Stop it. It's going to turn into a money pit. It's going to be uneconomical, probably, to infinity. The only people who will be able to travel on it are your business executive types who probably don't need to travel anyway because a lot of conferencing can be done electronically without travel. It's just a waste of money. Mm. Put that money into the revitalisation of existing systems and possibly if you really do need a London to the North route, have a serious look that the remaining parts of the old London extension of the Great Central Railway, which was mentioned in the question, because by comparison with building something completely new, revitalising mm. existing facilities, which are already partially operational, yeah. it'll be petty cash. Right, Mark Shaw says, Mark Shaw's just tweeted as you've been speaking, and he says, um, uh, travelling uh, north-south by rail at peak times in the UK is a nightmare. We need each HS2 and HS3 and others to build a modern, well-connected, prosperous future. This is a once-in-a-hundred-year infrastructure cost, and it should be considered in that context over that time frame. Well, I accept that it'll be some good for some people, but I don't believe that this thing about it revitalising the country, the industry, the commerce. I'm sorry, it's going to be one of these things that, like Concord, it may be a wonder in technological terms, yeah. but it'll just be for the rich, for the people with expenses accounts. Okay. It's not, not for everybody. To serve okay. the country. Tom, thank you. Uh, Cam Bliss is calling us from Coventry. Hi, Cam. Hello there. Hi, what do you think? Um, well, my view is uh, is based on somebody who who works on the railway, uh, mm. and I would start by saying I'm not here to to give my employer's opinion. Um, but the railway, particularly between Birmingham and London, um, the West Coast Main Line, is 
at peak capacity. There is no more room for any other trains. Um, we have a lot of long-distance trains that use that section of line going to the north, connecting Manchester, connecting Liverpool, Scotland and Birmingham. Uh, and the idea behind HS2 is it's not about journey times, it's purely about being able to move those longer distance trains onto a faster, more direct route to, towards London mm-hmm. and then freeing up the capacity on the existing West Coast Main Line mm. in order to allow more trains to, to those places that already exist, which involve a lot of London commuter belt, admittedly, so there mm. is a, a massive advantage for London there. Mm. But, but again, I think agreeing with the, the man who tweeted... This is looking at something which, in the scale of the climate change argument at the moment, this is an infrastructure investment to get people off the roads. This is this is that scale. Um, I, I had a conversation with somebody the other day. This, the comparable infrastructure project would be the M6 with the M6 toll. Mm. This is about creating something which takes long-distance traffic away from the already congested urban network. So we've got, I mean, you're, you're calling from Coventry. We've got John, who is tweeting from Birmingham, who says HS2 is a critical ingredient in the future development of our city. Scrapping it would be a disaster for Birmingham and the West Midlands as a whole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I work in Birmingham, but I don't live in the city. But land values, house prices and the economic output in Birmingham is already uh, increased and, and, and going up as a result of the planned investment. There are projects all over the city that are saying, come HS2, this will be built. We're already laying the foundations. And those projects are the ones that are starting to stall. The investors are already pulling back and saying, well, we're not going to actually, we put the, the foundations mm. in, but we're not going to put the first brick down okay. until we know this is going ahead. OK, Cam, thank you. Pamela Swift-Powell is calling us from Kenilworth. Uh, Warwickshire, hello, Pamela. Hello. Hi. I would, like, I would like to say, on behalf of the countryside that we have around us, I've lived in Warwickshire all my life and seen it destroyed by vast housing projects for which there are great arguments, but I can see no argument for destroying any more of our woods and countryside for a small stretch of high-speed rail running from Birmingham to up north. When we're grumbling about the destruction of the rainforests in Brazil... Why are we destroying our own tiny island? We haven't even got the space for all the destruction that's going on. It's it's just appalling. Mm. And the money that's been spent, a lot of people don't realise that as soon as it was mooted, they wanted to build this railway, a board of governors was set up and we've been paying these people astronomical sums to sit on their bottoms and think about it for far too long. I say don't destroy any more of our tiny island please thank you very much for your call uh somebody who's calls themselves uh it's twitter you can do this on twitter bad tempered badger uh yes cancel the hs2 it's an environmental disaster agreeing with pamela there destructive to small communities and scarring to the landscape a big waste of money time energy resources steve balding hello hi hi um a lot of money has gone into this so far do we just write that off and say okay um too bad. No, absolutely not. Um, I sit on the Committee of Rail Future, which is the national organisation campaigning for more and better trains on a bigger and better rail network. Um, HS2 is absolutely essential because in the modern world, we rely on mobility and transport of people and goods. And that's a fact. That's not, that's, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. So we need to do that in the most efficient and environmentally friendly way possible. And the 
the way to move people around and to move freight around efficiently with minimal environmental impact is largely by rail, by modern electrified rail. We need the argument has been made that we need the capacity because mm-hmm. the existing rail network um, throughout most of its um, um, extent is absolutely at capacity, in fact, well over capacity. Uh, we all know about um, mm. chronic overcrowding. So what about HS2 then? I mean, how much money do we then say we're going to put into it or have you got another idea? Fine. Well, the, the thing is that um, it has to be said that just as with the Great Western um, Railway electrification that was mentioned by Peter Hitchens earlier, um, yes, HS2 and the people running the company and running the project have, let's be honest, made a bit of a hash of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they made a hash of it in terms of explaining the case. And See, we're running out of time, so I just want to know what you want to do. What would you have them do now. Well, we need a radical shake-up in the organisation actually organising and building HS2. It could be done quicker, it could be done cheaper, uh-huh. and, and yes, and there are environmental arguments, there are certain parts of precious landscape that must be rethought. Yeah. But, but push, a, push on, push on, just do it differently, replace, you know, uh, the heads who have not thought this through and put other heads in, that's your that's your argument. Well, yes, I mean... Okay. All right, Paul, let, me, let me just bring Paul Thornton in, Paul calling from, also from Kenilworth, our second caller from Kenilworth, uh, quite near the line as well. Paul, um, we had another Kenilworth caller saying completely yeah. anti stop it right now. What do you yeah. say? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm originally from up north, and uh, to be honest, if, it, if HS2 would do the things that it would, uh, that it says on the tin, then uh, it could go straight through my back garden with pleasure. But the reality is that um, every aspect that's been claimed for HS2, particularly in the last few minutes, has been looked at very carefully by the House of Lords uh, Economic Affairs Committee and found to be absolutely flawed. The reality is that HS2 will be hugely detrimental for the rail services in the north because it will take away the funding for the rail development that really is needed up there, Mm -hmm. the electrification, more trains, Mm -hmm. longer trains. Mm -hmm. The key issue about um, trains going into Euston that somebody claimed a few moments ago, HS2 is going to take away platforms from the community commuter trains in in Euston. So so, so our last caller yeah. So our last caller said look you could do this cheaper and better if you had more sensible people but you don't trust that you should say stop yeah. just stop. Okay. Paul, Please, thank you and my apologies to those who are waiting to get on as always we have no time. Um but thank you very much same time next week. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Any Answers. Don't forget, if you want to hear any questions or you'd like to invite the programme to your venue, then please go to the BBC Radio 4 website and search for any questions. I'm Anita Arnand. Thank you for listening.